welcome to the Varangian Heresy Podcast. I'm your host for the evening, Jake. And allow me to introduce you to my lovely co-host for the evening as well. To my virtual left, we have Chris. Chris, how's it going, buddy? Well, quite all right, actually. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, I might have had a bit too much rum if there's such a thing, but you never know. How are you? I'm doing wonderful, doing wonderful. No complaints. And so, moving right on along to my virtual right, he sits upon his throne of sticky icky, <laughs> hailing from Sweden, the crown prince of heresy himself, Freddy. What's going on, buddy? I'm fucking excellent. No, my, my, tr my throne isn't that sticky. <laughs> no, not yet, anyway. Like, even though I, I enjoy looking on your fucking beardly manliness right here in my little Skype camera. Prepped it up nice and easily so I don't have to use my hands to hold it. Obvious <laughs> convenience later on. Yeah, no, I'm good. Fucking stressed out though for the weekender, trying to paint an army and shit. Uh, going on fucking balls deep with this, trying to do black shields because Max needs to win. Hashtag once in his life, maybe. <laughs> I'll do my best. Yeah, I'll roll um, his dice for And uh, if Max now do lose, even if you try to throw the game, then we know quite a lot about his performances. I don't know. Last time he pulled some cock about there's no winners in war anyway, so and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so that's what know. losers say. <laughs> no, that's what Max says. Oh, wait, sorry. Yeah, that's right. That's right. My bad. My bad. No, it's all good, right? Uh, so, you know, can't wait. Um, it's good to have you here, mate. We, we're, you know, one bearded man short. But it's good. It feels like an upgrade, like fucking Jody 2.0. Jake, Jake is Jake, well, we did. I'll be, I'll be, I'll stand in the gap for Jody today. I'll be the beard in the gap. We yeah. did, uh, we did mention that we had a coup last time. So this is just a consequences. Jody's probably in exile somewhere. Trying to form a resistance. Well, you know, with with the Brexit and shit, he's probably been deported. Who knows? Yeah. That's a risk. Anyway, uh, there's actually a real reason why we have Jake on, besides replacing our lovely former host. It is uh, <laughs> it is because today's episode is going to be all about them lizardmans, the slammermanders, the sallies, oh, yeah. the fucking, the greenies, the... The one ethnic Primark in the whole series. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe if you count Khan. I don't know. Is he a Mongol or is he? Or maybe he's just squinting all the time because he rides a bike. Who knows? But one one of the few ethnic Primarchs, I guess. I don't know. Are they any more besides Karn and Vulcan? Any takers? Well, all of them in the varying degrees of ethnicity. Varying degrees of Anglo-Saxonness. Yeah. Pretty much. That's true. That's pretty true. Anyway, so we're going to talk about uh, salamanders on this episode. Uh, but first, we'll kick off as we always do. We're going to talk about what we've been doing in the hobby, followed by what's new in the forge, which is going to be like a five seconds part of this episode, I guess. And uh, after that, we'll kick right in and talking everything Sally's. So let's start off with the hobby. Mr. Jakeman, what have you been doing? Well, I am marching down the road to Adepticon 2018 and uh, trying to get 3,000, about 3,500 points of Space Wolves and done from 
like bare plastic unassembled to completed. Ooh. So yesterday I hit a pretty big milestone. I got all 3,500 points assembled. There's a couple things still missing, uh, you know, some shoulder pads or things that I wanted to leave off in order to make it easier to paint. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, they're assembled. Um, well, what I saw I call some airbrushing mate. photos. Yes, and so last night I started. Uh, I started. I got them all, uh, all of my infantry base coat or primer coated, and then got, let's see, 30, 40, about forty-five models base coated. So, it's it's moving. Of course, you know, this is the big, this is the easy, the low-hanging fruit, you know, the base coats and all that stuff. Once I start doing eye lenses and bolters and things like that, it kind of slows yeah. down a little bit. We're, uh, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, I was really nervous yesterday once I got everything assembled, but once I started base coating, I think I got like a false sense of security that I'm actually going to make it and it's going to be okay. So that's going to happen last for like the next two weeks, and then probably about three or four weeks out, I'm going to start like really getting nervous and, you know, sweat, waking up in the middle of the night with like sweats and it's going to be ugly, but it's like, I, I could become a single dad. It's all right. Yeah. Like as long as I get these, yeah. another sacrifice 20. my marriage to get these things painted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least for us that uh, have seen it in, uh, in chats over the last days, at least we've got them past the, the point of fuck. I hate to assemble these damn. Yes. All five drop pods are now yeah. assembled. Well, because I've got one Dreadnought drop pod, one Charybdis, and four regular drop pods, and all six are assembled. So Nice. Yeah, and that's uh, basically what we've seen lately when you're trying to push this. It's so bad. Like It's so bad. That's the worst model to have a lot of because they're all the exact same, and then eat, there's five identical sides. So it's literally just like you're doing the exact same thing over and over and over again, and then you finally finish that model. And then mm-hmm. you start doing you know, the exact same thing you just did, and it's just, it just destroys my mind. Well, now you know how like 19th century textile mill in uh, you know suburbs of London. Yeah, absolutely. Out. You got all the fun of sharpening needles without all of the da- dangerous stuff, like that's it. Without stone all dust the and break. metal dust. <laughs> Average lifespan awesome. after starting work three years. Yeah. See. Awesome. All right, well, that's a pretty decent fucking hobby progress. What about you, Chris? Well, I've been continuing my Blood Angels project. So they're almost at this point where I can prime them and paint them, the first unit at least. Uh, the base. So you mean you, you've been building models? That's what you're saying. Well, con- building and converting and enhancing and bulking Ooh. them up a bit, changing up weapons, making cool so you reckon? So you reckon you're going to have your 1,500 points by uh, Lincoln? Yep, actually I do. Ooh, that's uh, fucking uh, it. That's a bold statement, sir. A bold statement. Well, if I say that, I have to have them. So then I either have to finish them or don't show show up. So. <laughs> and we all so maybe know not, how easy maybe it is for me to not show up. <laughs> maybe not a bold statement. Then. Yeah, don't leave the place setting out for him. Mm. Yeah, no. Well, no, I, I also no I also do want to go because I want to well, see how my story works. Co-EO. Exactly. I have to go this time. Um, yeah. And I don't know doing... what's going to happen that moment where I see a picture of Chris at an event with a painted army. That'll be like the first time since we've ever like communicated that I would have seen something like that. Yeah. Well, I did have a technically have a painted army at Scandus. It was just in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Technicalities. Yep. Doesn't count. And uh, 
I've also been doing the bases for them. They are a nice uh, brownish color. Yeah, bases look good. Yeah, there's some weathering on the the transfer I put on yesterday that needs to be done, but but it might be be done. Will probably look quite good with the red armor on the Marines. Cool, cool. Well, at a future episode, I think we should have to go through our army lists. We'll probably do that the Lincoln special thing. We should probably do that when Jody's on. If he's on. Well, you, we all know what his army is going to be. It's going to be pride of the fucking. <laughs> it's going to be four units of uh, veterans, a phosphorus uh, mortar, and uh, a Well, they can't have phosphorus mortars. Well, it's Jody. He could probably find a way. Well, I could have a quad mortar and pretend that he could have shot the phosphorus if he were, if we <laughs> just, allowed him. Just making the sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, I also oh. I also found some nice packing material from a used press that I'm turning into a gun emplacement for an AA gun and a command center for one of the tables at Lincoln. So nice. Need to have more than one product going so you can work work when uh, stuff is drying and stuff. I don't understand. Like I I always have a lot of projects going at the same time. Just yeah. means that I never finish anything. Well, th- there's that too. But at least I have a nice hobby desk in the hobby room that I can actually have several projects running at the same time without impeding the laundry process. Well, I don't understand. Like, there's nothing as, you know, squeezing your balls up against the fucking dryer when it's centrifuges. It's a special kind of feeling. Yeah, when it's hard, when to, you're hard to get... Don't pay eye lenses, though, when that happens. Leaning against the hot point during the spin cycle, eh? Yeah. It's fucking, it's kind of hard and focus. <laughs> but then the throne gets more wet and sticky after a while, so that's good. Yeah. Good news. Speaking Everyone of, is a winner. Speaking of, what's your progress then, Freddy? Uh, well, I have finally found out how the fuck I mixed my colors for my militia tanks. So I have started, I uh, primed my Arvis and I've almost primed my both Limoruses that I'm taking to, uh, to Adepticon. I have also built almost my entire epic army for Adepticon. The only thing I've left is three band blades, or bane blades, bane hammer blades or whatever. Uh, and I need to flock my four dreadnoughts and my apothecary. And then once I, that's done, I'm going to prime my dudes. I've already done the land raiders, which you've seen in a previous whip for the epic army. I've also uh, almost painted my entire gothic fleet. For the Weekender and for Adepticon, it's going to be the same one. Uh, I have the only thing I've left on my five Sentinels is some varnish, and then I'm working hard to get my Black Shields ready for the Weekender. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and that's about it, basically. Nice. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get everything done. It's fucking a lot of stuff to do, but what can you do? The Black Shields are the Astral Claw inspired ones, right? Yeah, that's right. It's uh, Basically, the origin of Astroclaws. So the force is going to... Well, I, th- this is another help to Max. Just listen out now. The force will contain two Marauder squads uh, with two Flamers and a Sergeant with a Parafist in each. Parian Flamers, because we love that torrent. It reminds me of myself in my laundry. Uh, and then it will be a Primus Medicare. There will be a regular console with a Power Sword. Uh, there will be a Pravian with a Volkite Charter and a Power Sword. And there will be three Thalex, 
with melter bombs and normal lightning guns or whatever they get stock standard. Mm -hmm. uh, five uh, melter gun dudes, and that's about it. Oh, and a and a fucking uh, box dread with a big flamer, the hellstorm flamer. Flamestorm. Flamestorm, hellstorm, flame, flame heller, hell flames, whatever. The hell Something storm with storm skull and hell. <laughs> And uh, a land speeder with a heavy flamer and a grab gun, which is the old metal rogue trader one. So fucking heavy. Yep, that's it. Nice. Oh, and uh, an Aegis defense line with a quad, quad gun thingy for it. Fair so enough. that's my 1500 points, Max. Now you know. Tailor your list, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and uh, I've been hobby. I mean, I've been gaming. Fuck loads. Sorry, Jake. <laughs> I've been gaming. I've been um, playtesting. Well, the last couple of weekends, actually, I've been playtesting hard as fuck the, the Lincoln missions, the Raider ones. And uh, our um, uh, basically our uh, Centurion mode and retweaked it. And I think now after this weekend, I think I've tweaked it with, with what we discussed before, Chris, about mm -hmm. the last week, about basically removing uh, options of having a Praetor, uh, Lord, Lord, what are you called? Lord Marshall, uh, yeah. Planetary Overlord, and a Magus Primus, Primus. All of the uh, ranks above basically a captain. Yeah, having them, because what I've noticed in a couple of games early on, it's... It's hard not to make some sort of Death Star in those small games. Even if you don't want to do it, it, be, it becomes like, like a Praetor fucking... It, it just beats stick to... Like, it's a big fucking beat stick in 1500. It's not a fun, and the games become much more fun if you, you run a console. It becomes like more personal, more bloody, and it's more like intense. And it fits the so that's been theme cool. better as well. Yeah, and it fits the theme heaps better. And also, uh, read, we, we'll, we did a couple of like... Uh, First, we said, like, no Phosphex for the quad launchers. But then I ended up playing against Leviathans with those Phosphex discharges, and I, that's just retarded in Centurion. Like, seriously, <laughs> retarded. Uh, and then uh, we only think about Phosphex bombs. But also, that became a bit fucking retarded. So, now nah, we just decided blank carpet on Phosphex. Same as Custodes. Like, Custodes and Phosphex are a no-go. And Colton yeah. Horde. Uh, we can uh, use this time as an up update then because last episode we might have said that uh, Talons in their entirety were, were banned. What we meant was that Custards are banned, but uh, you can play standalone system of battles if you want at uh, Lincoln. <laughs> That's right. Just blowing kisses to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Because he loves that. Wait, that's not what I was supposed to do. There we go. All right. Yeah. So that's that's our hobby progress. So Chris, while you're doing it, uh, what's new from the oh, yeah. fucking forge? Well, they've updated what you can win this week, which is the Primaris Super Heavy. Would be good for bits if it was a plastic tank kit thing. I know that Magnus wanted all of them for some reason. Yep. And uh, other than that, there are doors for legions. Some of them are not mirrored. Some of them might have been better in a previous iteration. 
and some of them are are sculpted so they can't be opened, just as we discussed on the white swar doors. So, yep, but about it. you know, doors are meant to be kicked in, not opened. Everyone knows this. Kind of hurts okay. the transport capacity of a tank, though. Yeah, open but the doors of it. <clears throat> you you do realize the doors are aethed compatible because they don't use doors; they just teleport within whatever distance. Yeah, they can always go through the top patch as well if they want to. That's true. From an antenna as well, you know. It's all good. Everything is fucking legal in Aethed and Love. <laughs> I think. Yeah. yeah. All right, yeah. cool. So that 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 wasn't that much from the fortune. Some doors, like uh, that's well, sad because I, I like the. We're less than a week from the weekender, so there might be why there's not much released other than stuff that's been previewed at open days and fests yeah well with some luck i'm actually i'm gonna they will have the doors there the entire sets and i'll fucking i'll take heaps of photos and i'll make sure uh to see if they are mirrored or not or if yeah. it's just a retarded fucking... let's hope that it's just a mistake on the site and not uh, that i didn't bother doing just more than one yeah yeah also Something. you can uh, probably make sure to pick up all of the new customs that are released at the weekender no, uh, uh, no. I know what I'm going to buy at the weekender. Uh, a shout what? out to, no, shout out to oh. Mr. JP. I'm going to buy the Realm of Chaos book that they reprinted. Ooh. Nice. Because Solid. my my copy is like it looks like it's been like a some porn mag from for that a 14 year old has used because it's totally fucking torn. A little sticky. Pages don't come apart. Yeah. Torn up. Yeah. So I need a new copy, and you know why not? Get the Road Trader book as well, then. So get a shiny oh, new. I already hat. have that one. That one isn't that bad shape, though. Ah, fair enough. So, for some reason uh, it didn't contain that many demonets. So. <laughs> so obviously. Could just beak marines. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just beak marines. So it didn't t- take that much of a beating in my young years. Uh, so enough about my weird uh, insight in my childhood. So let's move on then. Yeah. And I think like we've done some hopey progress and and stuff. So we'll go on to a little musical break. I have and one, we'll one be... thing first. Once? Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, fuck, yeah, that is. Thing I never remember. Yeah. <laughs> and that is follow us on Facebook at the Random Hairs Podcast and join God. the Random Hairs yeah, Podcast I told you, group. Jake. Uh, the Random Hairs at Twitter. Email is thewendianheresy at gmail.com and Instagram is at thewendianheresy. And now, you gotta get the plugs. Break.
And we're back. So now it's all about the greens. The super green. Yeah, I, I'm old enough to remember that movie. <laughs> and it's time to talk about salamanders. Everything lucidity, everything Vulcan. Vulcan lives. Vulcan refused to die. Vulcan hangs out with Korax, you know, become best mates. Do mainly stuff together, bonding and shit. Vulcan kills Primarchs. <laughs> Vulcan kills Primarchs. Hey, Primarchs. Uh, but prime works, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay. See, I think that's kind of racist. You know, he's already green, and then he has some sort of hatred against green. It's he's strong. That's he's a self-hating green person. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's true. That's why Kermit didn't really make it in the thirty-first millennium. <laughs> that's true, or so we think. Maybe he's Malkador. Maybe he's the Emperor. We don't know. No one said it. Maybe so Kermit is Vulcan. Maybe, but mm. Vulcan is black. Well, he's portrayed as it anyway. I don't know. I don't know. It well, is weird. They're all ionized from radiation. But before we fucking <laughs> derail, uh, we have, as you have heard previously, we have lovely Jake here to talk about everything. For some reason, he fucking loves his salamanders, and he's going to tell us why he loves, yeah, why he loves them. What's so fucking special about these weird fucking things that used to have one less initiative and all kinds of weird rules back in the day when I used to play 40k? So. Tell us a little. Well, first, Jake, tell us a little bit about yourself. Why we do you need play a, 30k? We need a full intro. We need a full introduction of gaming history and everything now that you've joined the yeah. cast. Now that I'm here. Yeah. Well, yeah. my name my name's Jake. Um, I've been playing. Let's see. I started playing Warhammer Forty Thousand right when Third Edition started. So kind of around that turn of the century time frame, um, I was like nine or ten or something like that. So. Got into the game. Uh, I've played pretty much exclusively Space Marines for the entirety of that. I've had some other armies, but kind of always stuck with the with the power armored guys, and in all different different colors. And I finally, about the time Fifth Edition rolled around, I kind of settled in on. Uh, I had Blood Angels and Space Wolves, and once I started playing Space Wolves, that was kind of my my main jam. But I'd always had a little soft spot in my heart for uh, for salamanders, and a lot of it initially was color. So green is my favorite color. It was something, you know, like, that's just what I liked. And so the army automatically kind of drew to me. But at the time, I didn't have a lot of interest in playing just regular vanilla Space Marines. Um, so once, you know, we got into 6th edition and 7th edition, and 40K kind of quit being fun for me. Um, you know, once there was, you know, a thousand formations and there was no, you know, Everything just kind of it just grew. It got so big. It just kind of became... I couldn't build a list and I couldn't play a game that in my mind fit the fluff, fit the elements of what I wanted to build an army out of. So every army that I built just looked like something that would not work on a you know 40,000-year battlefield. Mm -hmm. So I was... At that point in time, I, had a, I was working. I had a two-and-a-half-hour commute every day, one way. Um, so I listened to a lot of podcasts and stuff. And finally, one day I went, you know what? I'm just going to check this heresy stuff out because it looks cool. Um, I'm just going. I'm, there was a the iHorse had a introduction to basically it was like an introduction to heresy. Also, you know, red book kind of review when the first red books dropped. So I was like, you know what? I'm, this is a two and a half hour episode. I got a two and a half hour drive. I'm going to listen to this, see if it's anything I care about, and if so, maybe I'll start it. If not, then I'll just listen to something else. And I fell in love, like just listening to the way that the the way the rules worked, the way that the the lists kind of were built, 
And immediately I knew, okay, if I'm playing this, I'm starting off with Salamanders because it was always an army for, you know, 10 years, 15 years, whatever it was at the time that I've wanted to build and I just never have done it. And once I started reading into the kind of into the fluff and into the the, the heresy version of the Salamanders, because in 40K they had they had some rules in the Armageddon, but they really didn't have a lot that separated themselves after that. Um, oh, they like Meltas. Okay, that's cool. Oh, they have Vulcan Hest and, and he twin links Meltas and Flamers. Okay, that sounds cool. But other than that, they really didn't have that one thing that, that really separated them. But when you look at them in the in the context of 30K, they, they have so much. But that's that's the great thing about 30K, right? Because there's you know 18 legions, but each one of them is so unique and so different, and they play differently. You get a different feel from them, like it's even though you're using 90% of the same models. And I don't. I've always been drawn to characters that are kind of that lawful good, that like the the penultimate hero. Um, that's always kind of something that's, that's interested the, me. The Captain America. So yeah, right. You know, the guy yeah. who, who always stands up for doing what's right, even, you know, no matter what. And, and, and I don't know why, but that's always kind of been something that appealed to me. And that's what the salamanders are. They are, you know, they say that each one of these, uh, each one of these legions, each one of these primarchs is based off of, and kind of, it's a piece of his humanity, right? Like of, of who he, a piece of him, I'll say. So each one of them kind of exhibits a piece of his personality. And what Vulcan is and what the Salamanders are is like that's that's his humanity. That's his the little piece of him that that still clings to what he started out as. So the fact that they're they're all about protecting human life that they really see their charge in the greater heresy as creating something that's worthwhile not for them, but for the people that they serve. It, that's really what got me into Salamanders. On, on top of having awesome models, having awesome rules, and you know having a really great paint scheme, a very striking paint scheme on the tabletop. Hey, cool. Mm -hmm. Well, so so you think that's that's kind of interesting. I always I imagine having this debate with drunk JP, and it's about well, if the emperor because he always hates the emperor, right? So you said the salamanders is all about the emperor's humanity, how he wants he wants to save humanity, and and the salamanders kind of is like that trait in them. But half of the legions fall to chaos. We don't know about the two missing ones, whatever. But obviously right. they're dead. So technically, then, if if that half that is flown is also part of the emperor, wouldn't there be like balance then for the emperor? So he's neither good nor evil. I think he, yeah, he just kind of is. Now, the Emperor, one thing that he, that he is extremely, if nothing else, he's pragmatic. So, you know, after reading uh, uh, Master of Mankind, you realize, you know, kind of, not to give away any spoilers, but you realize what actually is important to him and what he's kind of doing all this for and how much of what you think matters doesn't matter. Yeah. So I think the bigger issue is that it's not like a bringing balance to the Force issue. It's that it's... I think that chaos in and of itself is all consuming and that it wouldn't ever stop. And so the only way to fight against it is to eliminate, to eliminate what it draws its energy from. Yeah. Well, it's, um, but then you have the cabal and they think that, well, that's going to have an issue with Vulcan later. Right? <laughs> if you're going to go through some fluff, but then you have the cabal. They think that, uh, the good thing about chaos is that 
because it just has that driving force, eventually it will just burn itself out. Right, it's a giant fire. You know, once it yeah. burns up everything, then it then it has no choice but to die out. Yeah. But is a thought here, because the when you what you is just what if the Primarchs are a way for the Emperor to get rid of traits of his own personality as well as uh, just making Primarchs and generals. Could be. Maybe he had well, to get rid of some parts of himself just to. Be able I mean, to so go like when, when he did did that thing at Moloch, the the deal he did with the the Chaos God or the, why he, how he tricked him was that he got rid of things that would not will be a hindrance for him. So his actual humanity would have stopped him from doing sacrifices like he did in Emperor uh, uh, in Mom, Master of Mankind, like when he sacrificed some dude there. No spoilers. <laughs> Uh, and and how he is like cold and callous. So and, and but he also he he didn't want his rage like his when he I, I think like in the unification war before the Primarchs he just goes fucking nuts in destroying cities and shit like massive rage stuff on people that didn't want to you know be compliant or go over to the emperor and also so he basically took all his flaws used to be emotionless and then he invested them in into the Primarchs so he could be an emotionless, callous person that is not tainted by any of these emotions that all the Primarchs are. Because they are like the thirst for knowledge, Magnus, and, you know, the humanity Vulcan and so on, like his madness, you know, Corax and, and stuff. So he got rid of them and that that's why he's this sterile sterile being that he's always portrayed as. Yeah, possibly. I guess the other, fl the flip side of that is once, I mean, you know, it's once you've seen as much shit as the emperor's seen and lived as long as he's lived, I mean, what is a human life? I mean, he's he's existed for at that point, you know, over thirty thousand years. What yeah. I mean, he's seen people come and go, so it'd be very easy to become detached and to treat become and pretty look, jaded. Yeah, and just look at humanity as a whole, as opposed to looking at it as the sum of its parts, and and it or as its parts. It's it's kind of one of those things where, okay, who cares? Like people. That we can make more people, but for humanity itself as an idea, as a as a as a, a people group, you know, as as a as a thing, you know, we have yeah. to make this step. But but I'm I'm, uh, you know, living that long as well, you could be tainted by emotions, you know, yeah. because you've been living so long, you've seen so many things. It's just like you become jaded or fucking disoriented and shit. And he couldn't like if you want to do a you wouldn't be able to do like a rational decision then because yeah because you'll be controlled by all these emotions e either your love for humanity either that and that or other things so for him to actually keep going and focus on his goal he couldn't be invested in any of his emotions so maybe that's kind of the trade-off he did like he sucked out Could his be. yeah also just <laughs> one more thing also he probably knew about how dangerous it is for a strongly psychic, long-lived being to have emotions given what the Eldar did when they were around. Had a bit too much emotions, spawned a god that eats their souls. Yeah, but, but the thing is, for him to reach his, that potential, because his emotions will feed the chaos gods, it wouldn't feed him. So for him to detach and whatever, become that god or or can live on human emotion eventually in the 41st millennia. I, don't, I have no idea what's going on in Fluff nowadays, but I remember the Golden Throne and his city there, and he is actually, you know, 
he kind of needs psychic power and stuff and devotion to live. But for him to be his own separate entity, he wouldn't be able to have any of those emotions that actually fuels his enemies or like the chaos gods. Mm -hmm. So that's why he detached all his emotions and put them into the Primarchs so that he, any of his actions wouldn't fuel anything. But then we yep. go all to this whole discussion about creating murder and shit, but you know. It but could he be, did... I guess the flip side of that could be that, or a different perspective on that could be that in order to create life, you can't just create a blank. You know, you have to give it some kind of, of essence, some kind of piece. He had to give it a piece of himself or some kind of personality. And he knew that he wouldn't, he was building these specific creatures for, for one task to, to prosecute the crusade. And he knew that he would no longer, at some point he was going to leave the crusade. So basically he took 20 beings and cre if you put them all together, they're kind of one him as far as, you know, mm -hmm. their, their essence or their personalities or whatever. And so maybe, Maybe that's why I did it. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, this is a salamander episode. Not yeah. the, <laughs> <laughs> not the so theorizing of uh, the Emperor's uh, plans. Yeah, that's true. Who knows? Yeah. Well, Vulcan, Vulcan was part of, the, of his plans, obviously. Uh, one of the lesser failed ones, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, or, or one that he really couldn't get rid of, even how hard he tried. Because he yeah. kept coming back. Well, he got the fucking perpetual yeah, crap just thing. kept coming back. Uh, but for people that don't know anything about the Salamanders, what they're on about, who they are, and like what kind of legions they are, uh, well, Jake, could you give us some background about the Slammies? Yeah, yeah so the Salamanders are the 18th legion. Um, they are part of the Trefoil, which is uh, kind of, you know, the three, there's three legions that were kind of created in separate from all the other legions. Um, being the Space Wolves and the uh, Alpha Legion, which it's pretty easy to figure out why the other two are kind of separate. So you have one that's, you know, espionage, that's, you know, I mean, almost traitorous from the get-go. Not necessarily traitorous, but as far as they look, they're looking at every angle, every perspective. They're infiltrating everything, trying to glean as much information as they can. They prosecute war very differently than any of the other legions, and it's, it's, it's understandable why the Emperor would want something like that um, but that's, you know, it makes sense they're part of the Treefold. The Space Wolves, it makes sense that they're part of the Treefold because they are the executioner. They are, you know, when, when the Emperor says something, they are the enactor of, of, of his word, you know. So if you mess up, the Emperor's not going to come and smack you. He's going to send the wolves. So that makes sense, too. You know, they're kind of they the... Are well, that that's that's absolutely not true. But um, <laughs> sorry, I just, I just couldn't uh, leave it alone. No. You know they 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 are they are the ones that you know they're the dog guarding the step. You know before before you get to the house, so it makes sense they're part of the tree full. So it, the the salamanders are a very unique legion to start with because they're part of that group. But you don't really, I guess, their role is a little bit more subdued as to figuring out why they were different. Um, yeah, I can't they, remember they going into that. Like uh, something about radiation, but I can't remember they saying something special about it. Could it just well, I think I, I think it's because of their the way that they prosecute war, and it's and and going kind of into that. So they were kind of a small legion to start with. Uh, they started with about twenty thousand guys. Uh, one of the first things that they got sent into the the assault on the Tempest galleries, <laughs> which I'll, I'll go into some detail later. You know, reduced them to about a thousand. Mm -hmm. And so from that point on, they were kind of 
deployed in smaller groups, uh, augmenting like human initiatives. So rogue trader fleets, uh, Imperial Army, basically wherever you just needed, you know, oh, please, we need the A-team. Okay, well, here come the Salamanders. And they were kind of all broken up and just sent in to some of the nastiest, bloodiest, awful things you could imagine getting sent into because they were kind of that last line of defense, that that quick insertion, which kind of goes against what they're, they, they end up being, but kind of a quick insertion force, like a plug your, you know, they're the finger of plugging the dike, right? Yeah. So they, and, and the kind of what started and moving on to the ways that they, they prosecuted war going forward, there was no expense too great to accomplish their mission. So it didn't matter how many star days they lost. It didn't matter how many materials they used. Retreat was not an option, even if it was tactically sound and warranted. Um, they just, you know, it was it was two steps forward, no steps back, and they that that they were very successful, but they had a very high attrition rate. So they they kind of stayed one of the smaller legions throughout their uh, before you know throughout their history, including into present day. Uh, you know, even in in uh, in Warhammer Forty Thousand, you know, they were. A them and the space wolves. Well, space wolves were kind of the largest chapter, um, but the the salamanders were the smallest chapter, and they only had seven companies, which kind of plays into into some of the how their organization happens now. But they were always you know seven hundred marines or less, even then. Yeah. So that that's kind of the pre-Vulcan period. Um, so then Vulcan, you know. He, he he's a very important part of kind of the whole i mean just like with any of the the legions he he definitely influenced and changed the legion with his uh once he showed up so vulcan if you don't know anything about vulcan he landed on nocturne which is like kind of a lava death world uh it's covered in all kinds of minerals gemstones very lucrative stuff but the problem is is the planet is basically trying to kill you all the time and it's covered with these <laughs> megafauna um, specifically the drakes or the salamanders, giant, you know, apex predators. Um, and every so often, I think it's every 10 years or so, I don't remember the exact period, but Prometheus, which is the moon that revolves around Nocturne, is kind of on a, a uh, asymmetric orbit or a off-center orbit. Um, and once it gets close, when it makes its revolution and it's extremely close to the planet, it the gravity starts playing off and it basically creates the whole world just starts erupting in fire and there's earthquakes and there's uh, openings and, and all kinds of hell breaking loose. And so they, that's called the time of trials. And what where you would go is there's these seven sanctuary cities all around uh, – nocturne and they're built on bedrock like they're they do not move they do not change they're that's the only safe harbor and so during the time of trials the uh, all of the folks that live on nocturne run to the seven sanctuary cities and that's where they find refuge so one thing that that they were constantly putting up with on top of the death world on top of the lava on top of the you know world opening up and eating you on top of the apex predator megafauna the Duskwraiths, or Dark Eldar, were known to just ravage Nocturne because the the uh, the population, Nocturne is has a very high gravity, Nocturne has a lot of radiation, and it's a hard world to live on. And so these people 
are extremely hardy. They're extremely resilient, which was something that the Dark Eldar really found great as far as a slave is concerned, you know, because they're all about, you know, they, they, in order to keep their souls alive and all that crap, they've got to absorb the souls of others and they live off of torture. I mean, you could torture a Nocturnian much longer and get much more pleasure and much more life force or essence than you could out of just a normal, you know, normal Terran or whatever. So they were a pretty prized possession. Um, so Vulcan, you know, his little test tube comes flying out of space, lands on a Nocturne. He's adopted by a blacksmith, and so he kind of learns the trade of, of blacksmithing. Um, and then once he you know, gets bigger and, and grows, he becomes essentially the protector of the people. And, and that's one of the unique things about Vulcan, and it kind of goes into to the rest of, of who the Salamanders are. A lot of the other Primarchs became rulers, or they became, you know, the head chief, or they became. It was all about right dominate or control, or you know, like for example, Gulliman, right? Like he he took over a system, you know. With Vulcan, he was not so much a leader as he was the their their protector. So he goes out there, destroys the Dark Eldar, tells them to suck his dick, and they all leave, and, or they're dead, which is awesome. So. So then they start a celebration to remember that, and uh, they do feats of strength and, and different things to celebrate when Vulcan destroyed all the Dark Elder. Well, I was thinking, like, uh, of all the other Primarchs uh, in, in, the, in the fluff, who do you think uh, Vulcan is the closest one, like, resembling, res- resembles the closest? Um, as far as, like, physically or, like, emotionally? No, I mean... Yeah, emotional, like background-wise, or like as a person. Uh, let's see. I think he's got some bits and pieces from from a lot of them. Um, him and Russ really got along. So kind of. Uh, you say that because you. No, no, no I'm being serious. Like that's. Um, <laughs> yeah, he Russ... got along, but I'm thinking like because when I when I hear the background of of Vulcan, I think about like there's two primarchs that stand out. For similar reasons, and one is uh, Ferris, and the other one is Pedro Rabo. Yeah, Fer- now physically, I, I would I would definitely agree. I think that they have a lot of some of the same. I, I think ideally is where they kind of get off from each other. Yeah, but but in the end, I think that someone that actually is very similar to Vulcan it is Pedro Rabo because he he never becomes a ruler either. He becomes like the second in command. He doesn't really. He's just protecting his Olympian people. He's not really care about war. He likes tinkering with things. Yep. But, you know, because of reasons, <laughs> they end up on the different side of the spectrum. Yeah. Where he doesn't give a flying fuck well, about well, humanity. Yeah. I was just going to say well, that. I think, I think Perturabo is <laughs> more selfish, right? Like, that's the thing is that Perturabo is a lot more. So he wants to sit at home and build his little, you know, buildings and, and make his little architectures. And instead, he's kind of forced to go out and prosecute this war where Vulcan looks at it more from a I'm, you know, having to go out and I'm protecting the Imperium. Yeah. yeah. The biggest difference is that Vulcan actually cares about humanity. Yes. Petrobo doesn't. So and and that is one hang, thing. Yeah, go if ahead. They go hang ahead. Out a bit. If they hanged out a bit, maybe Petrobo would have been a nicer person. Him and Magnus now, that, or not Magnus, him and uh, uh, Ferris, 
you know, the, of course, you know, naturally by both being, you know, smiths or, or creators of things and, and making awesome, cool weapons and stuff, they had a, a friendship. Um, Russ and and uh, <clears throat> Vulcan had a had a a good working relationship. They were they were actually the Salamanders were one of the few legions that fought often and without you know they had no issue with fighting alongside the Space Wolves. Um, actually, the the pistol that Russ carries was created by Vulcan. Um, but yeah, it. One of the things too in the fluff is that Vulcan is physically the largest and the strongest, naturally of all of the Primarchs. Um, so he, you know, he stands stands taller. He's broader. You know, brute strength. He's stronger than any of them. Yeah, the, the operative word there being naturally, right? Natural, given since Magnus pr- projects an image of how he wants to look yes. in people's heads. And others enhance their phys- physiology with massive suits of armor that uh, right. makes them or look with, larger. Uh, with anger on just you know pure pure hate. <laughs> just yeah, you know. Well, he, um, he he becomes larger later in the heresy as well. So. Yes, and red. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's more physical anger than. So, so I guess I guess um, and y'all can just kind of tell me whenever. You know, what direction? I guess at this point is when the emperor. You know, I mean, everybody has the kind of the origin story, and then the emperor shows up, right? So he shows up. He's the outsider, and he shows up while they're doing their feats of strength as a celebration, and asks to compete, and makes a wager with Vulcan. Hey, whoever wins, but in these you know eight days of trials or whatever, you whoever loses has to kneel to the victor and swear a more you know eternal fealty. So Vulcan kind of laughs at him and says, you know, whatever, okay, fine. So they compete all these feats of strength, and they're pretty much tied, you know, all the way through until it gets to the last part. So for the final test, it, they had to go and forge a weapon and then go out into the wilderness, and whoever killed the larger Drake or Salamander would be victorious. So Vulcan makes him a weapon, goes out there, big hammer, knocks the Salamander in the head, starts carrying it with him, and all of a sudden, the 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 landscape just starts really screwing up. He slips off of uh, off of the side of a cliff. He's holding on to the cliff with one hand. He's holding on to his lizard with the other, over a giant uh, oh river my. of lava. Yep. So he's stuck. He can't pull himself up. There's nothing he can do. He either has to drop the lizard and climb up, or he's going to fall and die. So at this, after a few hours of this, and right before he slips, the emperor sees him. Ends up throwing. Who has a? He's he's went off and killed the largest you know Drake that Vulcan had ever seen, and dwarfs the one that he killed. He throws it into the lava to use it as a bridge, runs across it, pulls Vulcan up, and then returns back to the town. So technically, they claim Vulcan is the winner, but you know Vulcan was like you know you sacrificed, you gave up the victory in order to to save me, and so that's when he kneels and. Goes to hang off with the hang out with the emperor. See why couldn't he do that with Angron? <laughs> why did it have to be such a douchebag? Well, he, he was in a hurry. <laughs> so well, I don't think he'd ever changed Angron's mind. I think that that was the only way that he could have got Angron. I don't think that there was a. I don't know. And given what? Well, we can't really. This skirted that spoiler already. We shouldn't go into that in March of my kind. Yeah. 
But uh, would it surprise would it surprise anyone if the emperor had actually just uh, tracked the largest herds and largest salamanders from orbit from his ship? That's possible. <laughs> Quite a lot easier to find it then. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he's psycho uses his fucking psychic powers. Track it somehow. Maybe just uh, conjured an image of a massive Drake. Yeah. I mean, anything's possible. Everything everything to win. So the at that the, the strange thing here is that Vulcan, you know, most of the Primarchs are then reunited with their legion, right? And then all of a sudden they go off and prosecute war and everything's great. But Vulcan actually stayed for years fighting with the Emperor and was not, like his legion didn't even know he existed. And I think that this is because he was not a a true warrior. So, you know, he didn't have a mind for, for tactics and battle acumen and, you know, how to prosecute war on a grand scale. And I think that, that he spent year, you know, a few years with the Emperor learning and fighting at his side to understand, number one, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? And how am I going to do it? So. Maybe to also deepen his understanding of humanity. Yeah, possibly so. Um, so then it kind of, it, how he's drawn back to his legion is kind of forced. So his legion is stuck fighting a bunch of orcs and it's not going well. And they're extremely outnumbered. They're in a weird kind of off, uh, it's happening at the same time as kind of the, the Rangdan stuff's going on. So there's not a lot of help. Nobody can go help them, and they're about to get massacred. So Vulcan, deciding he's not going to let his legion just go kaput, shows up with a you know, full fleet of ships, all these weapons, all this stuff, 3,000 brand-new recruits from Nocturne, and comes in and basically creates the, you know, their whole thing is the being the hammer and the anvil, right? So you have you have this one hard nut, and then you've got this thing that comes, you know, kind of the clamping jaws or whatever. And so between the two, he they were able to break the orcs. Um, the commander, the former commander, was mortally wounded. And, uh, and, and this was just kind of show you his character. So the, the commander's mortally wounded. Vulcan, you know, comes in, saves the day. Everybody kneels to him. He says, no, stand up. I don't want you kneeling for me. I will let us all kneel. For the, for those who were who perished and who were sacrificed today, in order for us to achieve this victory, and so then he gets the power claw from the orc war boss and delivers it to the commander, which was actually uh, his name was Cassian Vaughn, who shows up later as Cassian Dracos, um, to just to show you know hey, this was you know this was you this was your war this is your honorific. And basically, at that point, commanding uh, the, the the commandership of the legion shifted to Vulcan, and from that point on, you know, he he kind of tempered their 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 murderous spirit of themselves. You know, they used to be the, they're still very pragmatic. They're still very much they don't they're more concerned about human lives than their own. They're still very much uh, willing to sacrifice, but now they put themselves in better positions. To where they wouldn't have to sacrifice as much, or, or you know, where before they would just throw themselves into any situation. So he kind of brought a a steeled temper to the legion, and uh, and gave them a little bit more balance. Cool, fucking Draco. <laughs> and he, and uh, he was one of those primers actually 
decided to learn from his from the commanders from didn't he? Yes. Instead of just executing people or banish them. When he right, and, and that's huge. You know, one of the things he did um, once he kind of structured the legion was he broke them up into seven realms. And so each of these realms correspond to one of the sanctuary cities on Nocturne. So all of, you know, pretty much all of your recruits come from there. So that way you build kind of that, that uh, you've got a cohesiveness within each realm of your chapter or of your legion. Um, he also took, in order to not ostracize the Terrans that have fought so well, he made them his pyre guard. So his like most closed confidants were the were the Terrans, not Nocturne, not Nocturnians. And then each of those, each of the pyre guard became the, the protector and the commander of those realms. So you have a Terran that's now responsible for protecting this city on Nocturne, as well as leading these people, these, the, you know, these Astartes that came from that, from that area as well. So he really tied the two legions together, did a real good job of kind of including everybody and, and, pulling from the strengths of everyone and, and, and kind of inclusiveness as opposed to some of the other legions. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to banishment and torture and right. Death. Yeah. Decimation. As opposed to yeah. Decimation. Exactly. Uh, or, you know, like the white scars where there was that, you know, that massive shift in, in, you know, they just would not accept each other, the Terrans and, and the Kogorians. Whereas with entirely Vulcan, different it was, ways of fighting. Right. Exactly. So, but they still maintain they were always one of the smallest and mostly because they recruited almost exclusively from Nocturne. So, and Nocturne had a small population anyway, but the people were extremely resilient and hardy. So that made for better Astartes. Uh, yeah. Didn't, uh, didn't they have like higher success rates in there? Yeah. There was, there was almost like no implant rejection and, you know, of extremely high uh, getting in rate, you know, the, the surviving the, the, the trials and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much the the salamanders. They have you know obviously because of, of Vulcan and kind of his background as a as a uh, blacksmith and coming from Nocturne, you know. So they they took the salamanders as their icon. You know, they're all about fire. You know, being tempered and forged in the fires, which goes along with how they were kind of prosecuted war. You know, they would they would go in and the weakness would burn off and they would come out stronger after every battle, even if they were lower in full numbers. Um, they're very slow and methodical. They uh, they they prefer to 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 go th- to kind of take a measured approach to things. Um, they, they're real big, you know, of course, since they were you know based off of kind of blacksmithing and all of that, they're big into uh, melta weapons, uh, flamer weapons. Do not use phosphex because they're all about using fire to purify, not to pollute. So, so uh, no destroyers then. No destroyers. Which we'll probably go into when we see the rules and shit about them. Yep. But what about in the her- heresy? Like the all, all I know. Well, I know a, a bit, but basically they were one of the legions that went to Istan Five. Yes. And what what the fuck happened there? So, so well. No, it did not. So they they were part of the you know the task force or whatever that was going to uh, to uh, censure and you know destroy the opposition, and so they show up you know 
drop down. They're right there in the middle of things. They're charging forward. They kind of they kind of run right into the Death Guard. They begin to fight the Death Guard. And at that point in time, Vulcan notices that, you know, Ferris is not stopping or slowing down. And so there was no way that they could continue to hold the line and and keep, you know, the, the Iron Hands from getting encircled and overrun. And about that time, Vulcan looks back and, and the uh, the Iron Warriors were supposed to be supporting his rear. Well, they, they supported his rear, all right. That was about the time the guns opened up on them. And uh, they basically were, were just completely, it was like 98% casualty rate from the Salamanders that drop site massacre to those that survived. Because, um, I mean, like I said, they were right in the middle of it. They were getting shot at from both sides. Uh, Vulcan goes missing. That's when... Not to not you know this is kind of going through the stories of Vulcan lives and and kind of through the the uh, unremembered so a bit empire. Of a, bit bit of a spoiler alert, but you're right there. So all those books. Are... Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, just a little little bit of spoiler alert. So that's when he gets abducted by Kurs. Uh, Conrad tries to find ways to enlighten just, his brother. Yeah, just a just a mess with him and. It, and it's almost like, you know, Vulcan is so, like, he was unbreakable almost. And, well, it turns out he's also unkillable because he's a perpetual. That's another thing he got from Daddy. So Kurz ends up killing him like a hundred times and gets tired of it. And at, and at the end, basically makes him go crazy. That's when he gets warped. Uh, he finds his hammer, gets warped into, uh, on the McCrag as a giant flaming naked ball of Primark. And... Uh, <laughs> That's when he starts going uh, batshit crazy for a little while. Fucking Terminator style. There, there was a part, part, a little bit of time there. It was basically just a, some scraps of flesh lying on the yeah. ground as well. Yeah, he was just kind of some, some charred meat, and yep. he ended up growing back. Yeah, it's a regular fucking Friday night session. Yeah, it's all good. So, so then night. he kind of went. He kind of went crazy, and then he got a piece of metal or whatever, the fulgurite or whatever, shoved into his heart. And so then he kind of died, and then he ended up getting taken back to Nocturne and crystallized up, lightning. Yeah, he ends up getting put into a volcano, and then one of his power guard ends up getting eaten by a mountain, and then he emerges from the volcano, and everything's great. And then he's gonna go fuck shit up with his hammer. There you go, like uh, a yeah. weekend with the boys. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the the uh, the short version of everything that happens between Vulcan lives and uh, what is that? It's a uh, I'll think of it here in a minute. A lot of books. Deathfire. Yep. So. So yeah, so that's pretty much the Legion in and of themselves. Um, as far as exemplary battles. The, the main one that they give is the Tempest Galleries, which is that, is that where you want me to go next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. like where, where everyone dies. Yes. So the Tempest Galleries, that's the very first time that they're ever sent into battle. Um, so they're still the 18th Legion. This is before they become the Salamanders. And the, the Emperor dispatches them to destroy the, uh, the Ethnarchy. Uh, which are basically kind of these these gene manipulating assholes that run the uh, the Caucasus wastes. So deep below the Caucasus mountains, they've dug out their little hidey holes, and 
they protected by these power field webs. These and the problem is, is that since they're in the earth and the webs are kind of protecting them from anything above, they're pretty much impregnable. And the only way to destroy them is to go below them and then destroy the power generator. So that way the shields drop and the Emperor can come in and just start destroying stuff. And stealing their tech, probably. Right. <clears throat> so 20,000 legionaries load up in these little termite uh, burrowing machines. And they dig straight out in, down in their hideout to destroy these geothermal furnaces. And uh, they end up drilling down into what is called the Tempest Galleries, which are kind of a pre-Age of Strife uh, technology, technological area. And so it's all these machines. And basically what these machines are able to do is they created these little battle automata that are better than what Mars has as far as battle automata is concerned um, to protect itself. They're kind of like white blood cells. So the 18th Legion dump out of their little termites and all of a sudden instantly assaulted by these battle automata. Their guns are useless. The only things they found that can kill them are like using kind of electrical stuff to jam into their core or uh, highly concussive stuff, power fists, thunder hammers, that kind of stuff. So they end up kind of... Uh, figuring out ways to develop their own weapons based off of dead battle automata. They reprogram some of the battle automata to fight against their own, um, creating traps, diversions, you know, that kind of stuff, anything they can do to stay alive. So this goes on for weeks and they're, they're slowly dying off and they're starting to run out of guys and they figure out something's got to happen. So they decide they're going to attack the central power transmission node hoping that that would be enough to kind of bring down the defenses. And so they decide to use a kind of diversionary approach where they have all these little pockets of resistance are going to pop up and try to draw the enemy away from the center. And then a central force is going to kind of run right up the middle and then destroy the, the node. So it's working great. They're, uh, you know, they're running down to the core. They're you know about to score a touchdown. And then all of a sudden this giant <clears throat> techno creature shows up from the depths like they call it a kraken and it essentially just starts destroying everything and seeing that it's kind of hopeless now there's no no way to fix it uh one of the little diversionary groups decides to get into one of the little burrowing machines and just comes like out of the sea burrowing through the wall out of the ceiling straight down into the transmission node blows it up, blows up everything inside of it, blows up the Kraken, destroys the defenses, <laughs> and then uh, the Emperor comes down, starts blowing crap up. After they've cleared out the uh, the Ethnarchy's area, everybody's like, well, what happened to, this, you know, to the 18th Legion? And about that time, all of a sudden they look out of a volcano and a termite just comes like shooting out of the volcano and like comes driving up and about a thousand guys were left. And that's... Uh, <laughs> Just like, you know, hey, here we are, you know, what there up? There you go. Surprise. So, so, yeah, so that's, and that, that kind of, you know, set the tone for the rest of their, of who the, who the 18th Legion was and going on into the, who the Salamanders were. And they were almost written off as dead at this point, yes. weren't they? Yes. And then they make the most badass of entrances. Oh, yeah. It's like a, a fucking 80s action movie. Yeah. <laughs> Just big explosion, you know, out comes this thing. 
Yeehaw! Yeah. Cool. So, well, that that's all about the fluff then. Let's go into the fucking meat, meat and veg about the army list. I'm good stuff. with it. The, the good shit, because I, I'm pretty sure that people get all fucking hard on there about termites, fucking deep penetrating volcanoes and shit. <laughs> you know, some fucking deep core action. Oh, Isn't yeah. That the core, the movie, the core. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, fucking awesome movie. That almost makes people not want to play this. <laughs> so let's continue talking about salamanders instead. <laughs> so, anyway, what. So how do you represent this force on the fucking tabletop? What's so cool about Sally's? What 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 are their rules and what makes them so fucking special? Okay, so the I think that the salamanders uh, they do such a great job of representing who they are on the tabletop through their rules. So some of the you know every every uh, legion has their own legion of star days special rules. So all the salamanders have what's called strength of will. Uh, they automatically pass fear. Um, and they must reroll a single D6 when morale checks and pinning checks are failed. So you really get that feeling of we're not scared of shit, we're not backing down, um, and you don't have to take uh, Vexillas, which is awesome. Yeah, um, they get that for free. Yeah, exactly. They have uh, Promethean Gifts, so all hand flamers, flamers, heavy flamers, used by models, uh, gain plus one strength, and it also Nasty. goes on to vehicles. So, and then in addition, all flamer type attacks are at a minus one strength when used against them. So you get that kind of wrought by fire, uh, you know, we don't burn, uh, you know, Targaryen kind of feel. Uh, but then also, you know, we like flamers, so we use them a lot. We're going to crank them up to 11 and, and let you feel the burn. Which is so, madness in Zone Mortalis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it gets awesome in Zone Mortalis. Um, they also have Nocturne Born. So they, this is their kind of, their drawback, but it, but it makes sense. Um, they do not add their initiative score to their sweeping advance rolls and they reduce all of their run and charge distances by minus one to a minimum of one. So it's kind of another point of that measured approach that slow, but also, you know, uh, they're they're It's always been said that the, uh, that the salamanders are a little slower than the other legions. Um, just because of the the higher gravity that they're used to, so that kind of is a play into the old uh, third edition uh, minus yeah, one man. initiative feel. Yeah, good old Armageddon book. Yes, sir. So that's that's what makes salamanders salamanders. Um, I have really good rules, just because very, to me they're a very easy army to come from you know like sixth or seventh edition 40k into 30k too because they have the leadership bonuses they have the the, the fear they have kind of that and they shall know no fear feel to them so it was kind of very easy transition for me um and you know it's one of those things i always forget about fear anyway so at least with this army i don't have to care that i forgot about fear that's cool though because uh the main antagonists are like one of the few legions that causes fear so there you go yep yeah we safe hey, you're all good then so a couple things that they can do as far as war gear is concerned um they can uh they can mastercraft weapons so if you have a if you're a character you can mastercraft any weapon you have for five points um which is really cool so that saves you 10 points on all your mastercraftedness 
Yeah, and, and also uh, you can Mastercraft uh, War Gear for people that normally don't get Mastercraft. Right. So, uh, yeah. So then they also have the, uh, they're one of the few legions, one of the two, I think, that get Storm Shields. So, yeah. but theirs are, theirs are a little bit different than the Fists. Theirs is only a plus one to, uh, to your invul save. So if you're taking Cataphracty armor, you're the exact same as anything else. But that is something to remember if you're playing against or with Salamanders. Just because you take Storm Shield, this ain't 40k Storm Shield. So if you've only got a uh, a five up save, and you take Storm Shield, you're getting a four up invul. Yeah. So. But then again, with the sweeping advanced rules, there's no point for them to take Tartarus anyway. Nope. Nope. You take Cataphracty number one because it looks cool. Number two, because it's Super Salamander. Number three, because you're taking Fire Drakes and they're in Cataphracty anyway. So, that's yeah, that's just a better choice for them, in my opinion. Yeah. So, and then they can also take, uh, they can take Mantle of the Elder Drake. So, like your Praetor oh, for 20 fuck, points. I hate this thing. He gets Eternal Warrior, baby, and then <laughs> he is a baller. So, oh yeah, you can get the Ultimo Beat Stick, and it is awesome. So, and then the other thing they can do, they can take uh, anything that can take heavy bolters on a vehicle. You can swap those out for heavy flamers. And then you can, if you can take a plasma pistol as a character, you can also take uh, inferno pistols. Which you instead. don't see that very often. But no. I reckon they're they're pretty good. Yeah, the, I think the biggest issue with is just that you're paying so many points because plasma pistols are just so expensive at 15 points. Now, a a inferno pistol is not bad, but it's just so short ranged. Um, at that point you might, if, if you're really worried about, you know, blowing something up, maybe a combi melta is probably the better choice for you. Um, unless you just really want that extra plus one attack. But I, I mean, I don't have anything against, uh, against Inferno pistols. It's just 15 points is kind of expensive. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thinking I, I usually always end up at that range anyway, when I jump out with something that is supposed to go into close combat that has yeah. a pistol. Uh, and the thing is, normally with my plasma pistols, I just shoot myself anyway. So it's, just, yeah. it's nice to have that one shot where on a one, on a one you take it, a wound yourself. And you get the, the thing is with the eight, if you're lucky, you know, that's you ain't coming back from that eight, though, because you could no, tap out. Like a, yeah, you can tap out like all those special terminators. Yeah, Your double toughness at that point, yeah. you're uh, you're you know you're a lot easier to penetrate armor, and if you get within that you know that sweet spot three inches, you can yeah. destroy some armor. So I reckon that in, inferno pistol is way better than a plasma pistol. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of the special rules and equipment that the that the salamanders get. Um, that really kind of make them who they are. So you get a lot of flavor. You get a lot of uh, a lot of cool stuff just from the get go for your basic units. Um, but you for, get you know, some the, drawbacks though as well. Yeah, or maybe not drawbacks, but yeah. it's stuff a drawback you whenever you lose combat, and then all of a sudden you're going shit. If like if I have to roll over a five and he has to roll, no, yeah. If, if you know if you're fighting against other ta- like tactical marines on tactical marines, if you lose, you're automatically needing to roll like a six just to have a chance. But I'm thinking about, uh, like, Phosphex and Ragnes and shit. Well, don't, don't you have, like, uh, equipment you can't use? Yes. Yeah, so that's... And that's listed kind of in the... Uh, yeah, 
sorry, the it's called Disdain of the Dark Age. So more tats can't be used, destroy units may not be used, and no phosphects may be used in a Salamander's primary detachment. So, which kind of fits, like I said, with their fluff, where that's about poisoning and destroying and decaying and all that stuff. Um, whereas the salamanders are about cleansing through fire. So in, in instead of uh, destroyers and phosphex, they have the pyroclasts, which are kind of a similar unit uh, with their uh, with kind of their flamer guns that burn shit. So, yep. except that these are fucking flamers on speed. Yes, <laughs> interesting that you can take uh, a mechanicum ra- radiation engine. Allied force, though. Yeah. It's just well, nice. it's just nice take, we don't use take... those weapons. Right, exactly. As long as the salamanders don't use those weapons, you're fine. I mean, I guess, I guess you know, unless Vulcan's on the field, he probably doesn't have a lot of say on what anybody else is using. F- fluff-wise, that would probably be really al- allies of necessity, though. Nothing right. Else. And there's actually kind of a neat... I think it's in... Uh, I think it's in Vulcan Lives. There's a neat kind of uh, flashback to Vulcan and uh, Kurs fighting together. And, you know, basically Vulcan just telling him, you know, that's the way you you guys fight is like it's just not good. Like it's <laughs> it's no es bueno. And, <laughs> you, you know, Kurs <laughs> is like, you know, well, you church it up all you want to, you know, like these people started running and your guys just burned them. You think that's better than me, you know, torturing them or, you know, the Death Guard using Phosphex or anything? I'm like, they're still dead. Like, nothing's changed here. <laughs> you know, Kurz being his typical just kind of self-hating and deprecating and also, you know... Everything is black and white. Yeah. In his own favor. Right. So, that you know, but that's, that's once again, I think that that's part of the fluff, the established fluff. And the rules feeding, I mean, that's what, to me, that's what makes 30K, 30K. And that's what makes it awesome. And that's why I play it is because what I read in the books and what I read in the horse heresy novels and what I read as rules in the red book, they all play together. They all jive together. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all can so. agree on that one. That's why so, we're yeah. all sitting here. Like yeah. Super, super nerds. I'm just sitting here, <laughs> sitting here and uh, just loving listening to this. So let's continue. <laughs> All right, so where do we want to go next? Well, well, you, you already started on the fucking units, mate. Just keep yeah. going. Do you want to? You can choose. Do you want to do rights of war first or the units first? Uh, I guess we can do rights of war first since it's right there. So just kind of follow the yeah. the the nature of it. So there's two rights of war that are specific for the salamanders. One of them is in this book, and one of them is in book six. Um, or the new legion or new right. army book, army list, whatever it's called. Yeah. So so this is the uh, the covenant of fire which uh, is my favorite. Uh, Ryan Kimmel absolutely hates it, and he's going to tell you that it sucks butt. And here I'm going to tell you that I like it, and there's ways that you can use it, and it's pretty much every list I take is is using the Covenant of Fire out of war. Should we just, since we, I think we forgot to mention this so far in this episode, how much do you like this? Do you maybe have a podcast? I do. Uh, if you, if you like go that? on to <laughs> iTunes and you uh, search the Covenant of Fire podcast, you will find uh, me. So, yeah, I'm Jake and I'm the host of the Covenant of Fire podcast. So It's a lovely podcast about tax uh, 
Lewis and yeah, well, there's there's tax talk and yeah, all kinds of all kinds Fem- of super you know heresy related information. Feminist plowing and <laughs> yeah, that, that's this that's this that's the this podcast. Okay, just, just making sure. I'm I'm so confused now. Probably the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> so Covenant of Fire, the right award yes. is. So the things you get with Covenant of Fire, the benefits are. Uh, all of your vehicles get a five plus invul against Melta, Volkite, Plasma, and Flamer weapons, and then also against Melta bombs. So that's big. So you get a five plus invul save against Melta bombs if you're a vehicle, which normally you don't get. So the the other thing, all of your Melta weapons are uh, twin linked, or excuse me, mastercrafted. So essentially twin linked. Uh, Pyre class then become a non compulsory troop choice. And then also uh, every unit in the da- in the detachment gains move through cover, which is huge because that means you don't have to buy those uh, blades. So you don't have anything getting immobilized. Um, all your dudes through cover. And to me, what I like about this is that I know no matter what I'm charging, it's a minus one to whatever I roll. Because you know if you're charging through cover and you already have a minus one, and then you have a minus two because you're charging you know through cover. It just, I, I like mitigating that with Covenant of Fire. So my guys, no matter what, I'm rolling the charge and I'm minus one just because I'm Salamanders. Yeah, minus three would fucking sucks balls. Yeah. <laughs> it would be, be like me doing a marathon. Yeah, and that's why I always take Covenant of Fire because I get so used to that having the five plus invul saves, um, and then also having the uh, the move through cover. Like when I don't take it, it's almost like. Like, I'm missing something, you know. So, now, this ride award does have some significant drawbacks, and this is what Ryan hates about it. You cannot deep strike. Um, so, that takes away a very big way to play this army. Um, you cannot have more heavy support and fast attack units than you have troops. So, and what that means is, if I have two troops, so if I got two tax squads, I can take two total units that are that are heavy support and or fast attack. So for me, that's not a big deal, um, but it can limit you and how you build your list. Um, you cannot take fortifications, which doesn't affect me. And with the exception of Legion champions, you can only include a single console. So you're kind of limited on your consoles. Well, like I said, it's got some pretty significant drawbacks, but with the way that I play, it doesn't, I kind of, I've, my play style works around that or you know the list that i build normally aren't impacted by that anyway why do you think the the fucking champion is i don't know if if the champion is just kind of to stand in as a i don't know that's kind of a weird thing because it, it doesn't really reference it or talk about it anywhere else or no, or like that's like, a big you can, thing you can have two champions you know if you want fucking yeah. even three yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like I said, it's not really anywhere in the fluff that we that you know the salamanders prefer champions to other things, or I don't know. Given Maybe they that, just assume they have the least impact. So, given how prevalent there are in a few of these uh, right of war, maybe it's just that they really want people to actually have a reason to take yeah. a champion, possibly because otherwise they wouldn't. Well, and maybe because it just doesn't make sense, right? So, if you're saying that consoles are in kind of short supply. Hell, a champion can be anybody. You know, I mean, any every tactical squad could come up with a champion. So maybe it's just that there's not a a an issue with having a lot of them. I don't know, but I don't take a lot of champions anyway. So 
or I'm I'm kind of limit my my consoles anyway, so it's not it's not a huge deal. Well, the one thing he, Legion Champion gets that is kind of Salamander esque is that his weapon is Mastercraft. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is super salamandry, unless apparently you are the 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 master crafter of all crafters. <laughs> yeah, but that that really must be an oversight, and I hope they ratify that. No, in but, the but, next but the thing the is, book. he he's he's not selfish. He just makes sure that everyone else is master crafted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> rose before hose, you know. Yeah. So the other the other uh, right of war they have is the uh, the awakening fire. And this is to kind of represent post the, – the, the Salamanders were in a really weird place after Istvan. Um, they were extremely spread out. They were extremely you know, depleted of resources. Um, you know, they're, they're a great army to use for Shattered Legion forces because of that because they were you – know, basically, they, the only way they got out was on other people's ships. Um, a, lot of, a lot of them were ra- you know, escaping on Raven Guard, Iron Hands, etc., so this is to kind of represent their deviation a little bit. They kind of started going a little bit crazy, uh, started getting a little bit fervent, uh, kind of following the, the, the words of Cassian Dracos and Xiphus Jur. But uh, so to represent that in this, they have what's called the Devils from the Dark Rule, which uh, caught. So now all of those units, all uh, Salamander infantry units cause fear. Um. They get the uh, that weird rule that a lot of them get where uh, game comes to an end and it's a random game length. You can elect to play an extra turn if you want. Um, yeah, the and then JP loves for his yes, boys. yes that one. And then they also get a uh, a new uh, psychic power for their for their librarians called the Fury of the Salamander, which is okay. It's warp charge three. I think that's the the bad part about it. 18-inch strength 5 AP 1 assault 1 shot, and if you suffer a casualty, your unit must take a morale check, and it's got a penalty equal to the number of wounds the unit's lost. So it's not terrible. It's a beam weapon, so it you know shoots a lot of units, but it's just not for a warp charge 3 and to go through all this, it's just, I don't know that it's really worth it. Um, the limitations, you've got to take a chaplain. Um... The primary detachment may include no more than one of each of the following. Jump infantry, jet bikes, skimmers, flyers. May not take Vulcan because the whole point of kind of this period is that Vulcan is gone. And you cannot take an ally, a fortification. And I don't know. Like it, To me, if Covenant of Fire is extremely uh, restrictive, this one is exceptionally, you know, is is more so, and I don't feel like the 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 pros outweigh the cons in this one, personally. Yeah, I've, I've been but, looking at this for a while, and like, I can't really come up with like a decent list. It's hard, like, unless there's like a narrative game and shit. Right, and I think if you're playing that that game, yeah, that would be cool. You know, take Cassian Dracos, take Xiphus Jur, take this army. If you're playing that kind of po- that kind of narrative play, but that's not super up my alley. So as far as that. Like I like my, like I said, I like that lawful good. I like my my salamanders to be, you know, super loyal and, and not, not really kind not of deviating, and, right? Not pissed off and crazy. So it would make for a fun theme day, though. though yes, with yes, the it would. Mechanicum and uh, Alpha Legion and 
Iron Warriors. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those that I think would be cool to play in an event, but it's not something I think you're going to build and play out of every game day. I think it would fucking surprise a lot of people. It would impress a lot of people if it, because that I have never ever seen anyone playing this right of war ever. No, well, and and the the biggest thing about it is like it would be cool. I just really like the psychic power. Just really, I don't know. Like I feel like it's kind of lackluster. Yeah. But for sure. You know, hey, whatever. It's fine. It's an option. It's out there. If you want to use it, use it. If you don't want to use it, don't. It's all good. So that's their two rights of war. Um, I guess we can go into their characters or their uh, their units, their special units next. So, so they got yep. two special units. One is their replacement for uh, for their uh, destroyers, which is the pyro class, which are a super cool unit. Uh, Ryan hates them. I'm just gonna preface everything with if I like it, Ryan hates it. And, um, I, I think he hates it then so much that I actually got the flamers from them from his nice <laughs> to me they're one of the coolest looking units in the game like that's one of the things that sold me on salamanders was when i started looking at the units and i ended up buying a squad before i really even knew what they did um they're they're super cool they're like standard uh marines with a leadership nine so they're kind of like vets um they're expensive they got a two plus armor save but they get a five plus invul against kind of the the melta volkite flamer plasma etc so they get kind of a pseudo invul save. Um, against anything that would go straight through their armor, basically. Right, against a lot of things that would ignore your two-plus armor, they get a save against. Um, they get their flame projectors, which are kind of like a like an acetylene torch. So it can either be a strength 5 AP5 uh, flamer, or it can be a strength 6 AP1 melta. So I don't use these a lot for blowing up vehicles because a uh, strength 6 Melta, that only has a six inch range. So you got to be in three inches in order to get the the two plus the two d six. That doesn't come up a lot, but what it does let you do is it gives you the option to either drop down a strength five flamer, essentially a pseudo heavy flamer, or shoot AP one rolling twos to wound at terminators, or other or other two plus armor saves. So that's where I kind of end up using them a lot. Um, their biggest drawbacks are they're kind of pricey. You can give them a whole lot of um, of uh, melt bombs so they they do do that um and you can give the 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 your sergeant a power fist which is how i like to run them i like a power fist melta's melt bombs but they the only transport they can take is a land raider so unless you just got a land raider laying around and you got the points to sink into both a power class squad and a land raider well, if you don't play the right of war, you could take them in a drop pod. Uh, heavy support. Well, you can buy them an ambulance. You'd have to buy them, yeah, an, an ambulance, yeah. So you could take them that way um, if you don't take the right of war. Yeah. So I, I have faced these motherfuckers in zone metallis, and then dude, in zone they are awesome. I, I, then I don't care what Ryan says. They're fucking they. They're nasty <laughs> as fuck. Because oh, what yeah. they do is, like, they rock up against your termies. They're like, oh, here's some Meltalab. And then we're not going to charge you because we we give zero fucks. And then you charge you. Oh, look. that's Wall of like, Flame, baby. Yeah, Wall of Flame. Oh, oh Jesus. We killed another one. <laughs> yeah. Rending like a motherfucker. I'm like, oh. <laughs> God so, damn it. like I said, I like them. I think they're a super fluffy unit. Um, in Covenant of Fire, they count as troops. 
So it's a really easy way to get access to another fast attack or heavy sport choice by adding them. Um, they're kind of pricey and they're kind of situational too, but like I said, I really like the models and I like the unit and the way I think you can use it effectively. Well, I know that a couple of guys run them like they do with the, the death guards where they have yeah. the camp flamers. So they, they put them in a transport like a rhino or like a land raider. And they yep. just go out and they flame shit with all their flamers because you're going to take a lot of fucking hits. And then they just make sure that, you know, if they get charged, they get wall of flame and they have a, they all have artificer armor. So they're going to be hard to fucking kill in close combat. Yep. Uh, and they just do that against normal tactical marines or anything. And it's just a pain in the ass to kill them. Yeah. And, and one thing you can do, um, what you you know you can run them in a in a uh, Proteus with a uh, the Explorer augury or whatever and get them up closer, and then you've yeah. got a unit in the backfield with uh, with combi or with, excuse me with with the flamers to take out infantry and melta bombs and a power fist. Now, what a lot of folks will say is you can do the same thing with uh, vets or something like that. That's cheaper. Yes, you can, but if you want to play power class, there are ways you can play them. And I like I said, I've I've enjoyed one time I dumped them. I ran five of them in a land raider dumped them out and shot into a uh, militia squad. I think I killed 27 in a shooting phase. <laughs> yeah, it's madness. That was they're, pretty awesome. They're, they're like, uh, I don't know, like they're, they're awesome at uh, driving forward holding objectives. Uh, the, th the coolest thing I've seen is like a pirate class and then you have uh, two uh, tactical support squads with regular flamers and it's just come to town. Like they come up in rhinos and the pirate class come up in the land raider and they yep. fucking tag team the shit out of one flank. And it's just, yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. mayhem. I like them. I'm not going to lie. So like I said, I've got, I've got 10 of them. So the, the other option that you have is in my opinion, one of the better units in the game in it's kind of in its category is the, uh, the mighty fire drakes. And it's just because they're so damn tough. Like, if you asked for a a unit, like a Terminator unit that was just a just hard as a rock and just a a, a wrecking ball, that's what the fire drakes are. Because they're you know their weapon skill five, they're two wounds, they're in cataphracty armor, and they're expensive, but they last. Um, the biggest thing to that, me is weapon skill five because they hit on threes against most equivalent units. And they got two wounds, so unless you're using, you know, chain fist, power fist, thunder hammers, I'm lasting longer than you, and I get the option to take uh, storm shields. So you're talking about a three plus plus. Yeah, and I they at, are at the, awesome. Yeah, at the LVO in 2015, it took like full groom, six fucking full turns to kill these motherfuckers <laughs> with the praetor. Yeah. It was Dude, madness. They're, <clears throat> they're so stout, and what I've noticed. Um, especially in Primarch fights, because normally Primarch fights are just kind of slap fights. Like, it's very hard to for one to get kind of the upper hand over the other one. Um, but what ends up happening is then the you know it's all up to the to the cheerleaders, right? Yeah. And my cheerleaders are better than your cheerleaders most of the time. So my fire drakes are going to kill your guys, and then my fire drakes start piling onto the to the Primarch. And so they're very effective like that. And they're, like I said, they're just so tough and they have implacable advance. So they can, but they're scoring. Um, they're just, damn, they're just good. I, t I mean, I, I can't not take them. And my, my normal kind of loadout, uh, you can, there's, it's a toss up 
they they can take. I always give them storm shields. You can make them shooty, but if you make them shooty, in my mind, just take regular cataphracty marines because these guys excel in combat. So you give them storm shields, and then you give them uh, either thunder hammers or chain fists. And what I do is I like to kind of run a mix because most in ninety percent of the time, the chain fist is better than the thunder hammer. But if you're fighting against Primarchs or if you're fighting against somebody with Eternal Warrior, Concussive is so big. And when you can hit a Primarch with Concussive or hit, you know, a uh, a, a giant battle, anyway, to where you're fighting Simo or your Primarch's getting a swing first, it makes it, I always like to keep it about half and half with uh, Chain Fists and Thunder Hammers for that reason. Yeah. No, it's fucking, uh, <laughs> I hate it. It's so annoying. God so, and the, and the big thing they can do too is, you know, they're they're a Terminator squad, so they can take a Land Raider or a Spartan as a transport. And that's another way. If you take Covenant Fire, which I do, you can get a lot of your heavy support, you know, in quotes options as transports. And so it kind of opens up. It it, it it gets rid of some of those restrictions. So. No, it's it, it's definitely one of the best units in the fucking game. Yeah, and they also are lucky because they don't uh, suffer from uh, shit model syndrome either. No, really they're they're incredible. I love the the fire drake range. There's more, there's, no, I, there's more than one reason to take them. I mean, they are good and they look good. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're fucking badass. Uh, and, and I think like the drawback that the salamander has. Well, they don't suffer for it because they're in cataphracty anyway, so they they yep. give zero fucks. They don't care. They're yeah, getting they delivered care. in a giant, you know, Spartan, so yeah. they don't care about being a little slow. No, it's just fucking pure madness. Uh, oh. it, it's like with Fulgrim, when I when I hit those bad boys, I need to charge them, which is usually that is pretty easy. That's the, that's the easy part. And then I need to challenge the fucking sergeant. And then I get heaps of attacks. But the problem is, I don't fuck it. It's really hard for me to instant kill anything. And then it's the four plus invulnerable, like that it comes down to a three plus and it's, oh, yeah. It doesn't matter that you have like almost 10 attacks going in. Nope. It's just that they save everything. It's fucking annoying. And, and, you know, a lot of games that I've played where I've played against those other kind of Death Star units um, of a, either a big, you know, bulky Praetor or a Primarch with a bunch of, you know, with a boyfriend squad of Terminators and a Land Raider or in a Spartan. And we end up hitting in the middle. Like, it's almost, you just see the defeat in their eyes when they're pulling off, you know, their Death Shroud or, or their Grave Wardens or their uh, Medusan Terminators or, you know, take your pick. And, you know, your guys are like, you're like, okay, well, I'll put a wound token here. I'll put a wound <laughs> token here. You know, it, it's, and then all of a sudden all of their, you know, their bodyguard are dead. And then you've still got four or five fire drakes sitting there going, all right, let's chain fist, you know, Mortarian. This sounds great. They're just, they're just so good at fighting things that are their quote unquote equal. Yeah. Fucking monsters. They're monsters. They're fucking big game hunters. Yeah. The, the, and they, and they're very, even if you don't take a Primarch, like if I don't take Vulcan, I feel confident if I take my Praetor who, if you take a Praetor with Mantle, the Elder Drake and a chain fist, like he's just a straight up murderer. And you put him with a squad of five fire drakes and a Spartan. I'll throw that at your Primarch. I might not win, but, but we're going to hang it, out for long enough to where I'm going to do you some damage, and you're going to be out of play. 
exactly. You're never going to make your points back. Because <laughs> right. you will be hanging out here for a while. Yeah, and getting that uh, Eternal Warrior in there is quite nice as well. Because that's not yeah. overly common in the heresy. Exactly. That's And that's one thing. You know, the, the, the Salamanders get a lot of things that are very common in 40k, or at least old 40k, that aren't very common in 30k. So you kind of get a leg up with, you know, three plus invul saves, Eternal Warrior, uh, leadership bonuses, that kind of stuff. So they're uh, to me, they're a very good Legion. Uh, they're, they're fucking the toughest fucking nails on their units. Just insanity. Like those, ten of those with a fucking Praetor and then a Primus Medicare, you might as well just go home. <laughs> yes, sir. And and you can, if you really want to get uh, super fun, you can take the... Uh, and I Well, I'll get into that in a minute. I'll get into that when we talk talking to list. <laughs> but this is probably a reason why there is Phosphex, <laughs> because that's the only Achilles <laughs> they have. Fucking Phosphex. You need those fucking 12 quad motors going to take on these bad boys. And whenever, whenever I started building my Leviathan uh, for my wolves, I was sitting there going, well, am I going to take the Phosphex? You're damn right I'm taking the Phosphex Discharger because I don't get to take Phosphex any other time. <laughs> yeah. And I might run into Sally's. You never know. <laughs> That's right. I need to put, like, I remember playing a game at the uh, Gothcom, and then, thank fuck, like, I had uh, 10 of those coming out of fucking Serestus. Uh, and it was like a Praetor with the fucking Fire Drake, whatnot, and and his buddies. And my Leviathans just dropped down, two of them. Went out, six fucking Phosphorus Grenade on top of that. Managed to kill them all. <laughs> I was like, thank fuck. <laughs> but it took me 1,500 <laughs> points to do it. <laughs> yeah, but it might have been worth it. Yeah. Instead of getting bogged down with them. Yeah, fuck yeah. It was like... I, I'm, I'm going to do all of this to try and take them out. Like, I'm going to fucking deep strike my three Leviathans in drop pods. I'm going to put everything into these fucking fire drakes because there's no fucking way they're coming coming anywhere near close to Angron while he was having a happy time with his regular Marines. But yeah. Nope. You have to shoot them first. Don't give them a second chance. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, so keep going, sir. Yeah, that's... Well, that's all the uh, the special units. So that's... That's pretty much everything except for special characters, really. All right. So what, what special dudes do we have? So they've got a couple things, and I won't go just in real detail, but I'll kind of I've highlight them. So you've got Cassian Dracos, who is the you know the, the former chapter master who's now a dreadnought. Uh, he's kind of like a dreadnought on speed. Um, the cool thing that he does is he lets you take more dreadnoughts um, and... He's a he's a dreadnought HQ, so you could you know very easily take an army that is two tactical squads and then just a crap ton of dreadnoughts if you want to take the standard Age of Darkness uh, force organization chart, which is a really cool list to look at. Um, he also has a an upgraded form, kind of like a final form after the uh, the Iskvan oh, massacre. <laughs> they dug him up. <laughs> yeah, after they dig him out of the rubble, um, which at that point. He uh, he gains he gains some some buffs and things like that. So you can kind of look between whichever option you prefer as to which unit you want to take, which version of him you want to take. But to to model him, he is the Bray Ash Mantle model from Forgeworld. Yep. 
So, which is a super cool model. Um, and if you don't have one, you should get one because they are awesome. And I need to get one actually. Um, you've got Nomus Rytan, who is kind of a pumped up chaplain. And the cool part is that you've got two choices in chaplains when it comes to uh, to special characters. You've got him, and you've got Nomus Rytan, who Nomus Rytan, or excuse me, uh, and uh, Xiphus Jur, who I really like Xiphus Jur because he has some really awesome rules. Um, I don't hate Nomus Rytan. I think he's kind of expensive for what he is. Um, just because he's 215 points for a chaplain. He's got a really cool hammer. Um, he, uh, Rattan lets you take, excuse me, yeah, I had it wrong. So he lets, he's the one that lets you take uh, Dreadnoughts as other HQ units, not uh, Dracos. So then you've got Xiphus Jur, who's, who's really well-priced at about 155 points, or 145. He's basically a chaplain that has a 3-plus invul save. And he also is a kind of latent psyker, so he gets uh, presence and precog, so which is really cool. So that kind of gives you—he's kind of a dual threat. He gives you both being a chaplain and kind of being a psyker at the same time. So he gives you some psychic defense as well as presence. So that's that's not all bad or precog either one. So he's kind of a really decently priced uh, chaplain replacement. So then you get to the baddest man in all the land, the one that we're all here for, you know, the, the main card event, the Primarch Vulcan. And he is an absolute hammer. Um, he's priced... Pun, pun, pun of, intended. Absolutely, pun intended. Um, he's priced equivalent to kind of... I guess the closest thing you could compare him to is a Ferris. So if you've ever played against or with Ferris, they're very similar. Um, both in, cause they're both, they're one of the few Primarchs that are toughness seven. Uh, he's also strength seven. Um, <clears throat> he's got his hammer, which is not mastercrafted for some stupid reason. Um, I can't explain that. It makes me very angry. Um, but it is really fun to poke that hole sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Poke the yeah. Wound. My chaplain or my, my, you know, tactical sergeant can mastercraft his freaking Swiss army knife. But Vulcan can't mastercraft Dawnbringer, which was a weapon that he designed to take to give to excuse me, to give to the War Master as a gift, and then for some reason he got a weird feeling in his stomach and went, I can't let him have a weapon of this kind of destruction. And ended up not giving it to him. And it's not mastercrafted. Well, it was because he was gonna give it to him that he didn't put I, like all his fucking I guess. I don't know. So Vulcan does a lot of cool things. Um, he makes your whole army uh, essentially a leadership buff. Um, so they all get everybody gains plus one leadership and animanium will. So he, he does a pretty good job of buffing the army. Then on top of that, um, he may reroll any any failed it will not die or deny the witch rolls. So rerolling it will not die is awesome because it just makes him so much more difficult to get rid of um he's got a two plus M armor three plus invul also he when you're shooting at him and the weird part about this rule is there's some discussion on what it means 
it says, you know, if you shoot, Vulcan has a two plus armor, three plus invul, and it has the strength rounding down of any flamer, fusion, Volkite, Melta, or plasma weapon used against him. But the question is then, does it count if he's in a unit or not? Does he basically give that to the unit, or is it only when he's by himself? And when I read it, I'm inclined to say that it's, it's only when he's by himself. But I know people that play it the other way, too. So I don't know what the right answer is there. Um, it's just kind of one of those well, it things. It feels like it's um, you know average toughness or whatever. So, Well, and that, I guess what my thought process was on it is that it's his armor that gives him that bonus. So it's not something that makes sense that just because he's running with the fire drakes, that all the fire drakes get the benefit because his armor is better. So that's why I typically play it that he has to be by himself for me to gain the benefit of it. And it's just, it's a really, to me, it was kind of one of those, I'd hate to just, if I read it the other way, I feel like I'm kind of reading it to my own advantage. So, you don't want I don't to know. surprise and, sex zone. Well, I mean, he's so good anyway, like it's whatever. Normally I break him off anyway, so it's not a problem. Um, he has Dawnbringer, Strength 10 AP1 Hammer, that also he can uh, he can ground pound with, and you can basically instead of swinging, you can drop a strength eight AP three uh, small blast template <laughs> right next to your base and just destroy people. And then he's got a pistol that I've never shot ever in any game have I ever shot. I mean, well, it's good, like it doesn't suck. It's just I just I don't know. I'm I never shoot it. You should take well, that as need... a challenge for 2018 mm -hmm. then. I'm going to shoot the furnace's heart yep. at somebody. At an event, so people know that you did it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to catch it on camera. Yeah. Well, in our fucking sure. team game, team game, I'll dare you to fucking shoot it, mate. I'll fucking record it. I will shoot at somebody in a flak jacket with the furnace's heart. Yeah. And if you don't kill anything, I'm going to fucking laugh my ass off. <laughs> yeah, if I roll a double one, yeah. yeah. You, you need to make sure to live stream it on the Facebook page. when you. you oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be know. great. So, like I said, he's he's kind of expensive, but he's extremely durable, and he's extremely hard-hitting. He doesn't have a lot of attacks. Actually, against most things, my uh, my Praetor does more damage and is the equal... Actually, he's better in combat than Vulcan, just because he has more attacks. Um, but Vulcan still, he's, he's very good. Um, I think he's a... I mean, I, I'm not afraid to throw him into anything, just because he can usually take it. Um... I really want to run him into Angron. That's one thing I haven't done yet, and I want to kind of see how that would play out. Because Angron, you know, is all attack, and, and Vulcan is all defense. So, I don't is know. I'd be interested to see how that would go. Angron on 10 attacks, or Angron not buffed? Oh, uh, yeah, pumped up. I want to see if Vulcan can take it. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not, but I'd I like to see kill, I killed Vulcan with um, Gimpy Corex the other day, so... Oh, that's sad. Well, it wasn't sad for Corex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, oh, motherfucker, he's the baddest man in all the land. And then you're like, yeah, so I took the, the bad Corex with the heavy bolter and yeah. uh, punked him. <laughs> yeah, he fucking, yeah, he punked his ass like a motherfucker. So good. And that was after <laughs> he killed uh, uh, good Corex and uh, Alfarius. Yeah, well, okay. That would uh, using weighted dice do do to you? No, it was like uh, it was going so fucking good. It's crazy. 
was my day. I had one of those days when it happens to all of us every now and then. You have to live it. All right. So yeah, that's that's the uh, that's the rules. That's the units. That's the models. That's that's the salamanders in a nutshell. Cool. So now I bet everyone's like all fucking super hard for lizard skin. If you would do like uh, a typical two thousand points cool salamander list, okay, how yeah. would you go about that? So this would this is kind of what I would build as a as a base. Um, this is this is actually pretty close. I mean, this is what I run typically uh, scaled down a little bit. So for two thousand points, I would take a Praetor and Terminator armor, so Cataphracty armor. He's going to take Covenant of Fire out of war. He's got uh, Dragon Scale Storm Shield, Chain Fist, Digital Lasers, Mantle of the Elder Drake. So he's about one hundred ninety points. He's super tough. You can literally, he's a man on an island. You can send him after anything. He can destroy vehicles. He can destroy dreadnoughts. He can destroy other predators. He can destroy terminators. He's a, he's a one-man wrecking crew. So I would then take Xyphus Jur, or you could also take a chaplain if you don't like taking special characters. Um, I like Xyphus Jur just because he's basically a chaplain, and for the point for the same amount of points, he's he's a little bit better. Um, so I kind of run him as a counts as uh, chaplain, and Zy- taking Xyphus Jur allows you to. He's not considered a console, so you can take the, essentially get a chaplain and another uh, console if you want when you go to larger points game. Um, at, without taking the so basically you're kind of getting around the drawback of Covenant of Fire. But if you want to build something similar, you know, you can take a chaplain, you can take a prim- Primus Medicaid, really anything. Because this is, it depends on whether you prefer uh, attacking or defense in your fire drags. So then I'm going to take two identical units of TAC Marines, uh, tactical sergeant with a combi melter that's mastercrafted. Uh, the TAC Marines have chain fit swords, and then the Rhino has a pintle mounted multi melter. So what that allows you to do, you're taking two scoring units that are going to drive around with multi-meltas that are twin-linked because of Covenant of Fire, and you are making your units a threat. So if you like to run them a little more bare bones than that, you can. You know, If you want to beef them up a little bit more on your sergeant and stuff, you can. But I'd kind of like to leave them right there in the middle, um, with especially with the multi-meltas on the rhinos. That's, that makes them a pr- pretty decent little threat. So then I'm going to take a Contemptor Mortis Dreadnought with uh, two carries assault cannons. That gives you some <clears throat> decent uh, anti-tank, uh, anti-air. He's kind of just a jack-of-all-trades Dreadnought. He's pretty good for his points. He goes in your elite slot, which if you take Covenant of Fire, your elite slot is your friend because you can take a lot of really good stuff uh, that can do the job of your heavy supports and your fast attack out of that out of that area. Or out of that section. So yeah. then I'm going to take uh, five fire drakes. Uh, one, the the master is going to have the uh, mastercrafted thunderhammer, storm shield, and then four uh, other terminators or four other fire drakes with storm shields, two chain fists, two thunderhammer. So like I said, split it up. There's going to be three hammers, two chain fists, and then you're going to have the praetor with the chain fist that runs with them. So you're about three and three. Then you're taking a Spartan with Armored Ceramite and Flare Shield. And then finally, for the heavy supports, I'm going to take a Whirlwind Scorpius because for 115 points, there is nothing better in my mind that you can take than a Whirlwind Scorpius. 
And it also gives you some range. You can kind of hide him. He can he can he fills a lot of holes. And then I'm going to take a Fire Raptor gunship with four Hellstrike missiles. And uh, what that does is it gives you since since this army is kind of a slow, methodical move up the board, like come straight at you army. The Fire Raptor gives you something that you can put in somebody's backfield and kind of start, you know, tearing up rapiers, uh, getting rid of uh, attack marines that are on objectives you normally couldn't see. Uh, it kind of cleans things up around the perimeter and in the backfield. And those uh, those Hellstrike missiles are no joke. You know, Strength 8 Sunder. That's good stuff. So that gets you to 1,990 points. Um, what I, you know, normally we kind of play 2,500 to 3,000 up here. So what I would do to scale that up is I would add a uh, <clears throat> excuse me a cataphracty squad with combi melt to chain fist and put them in a uh, land raider phobos and so what that does is it kind of gives you a two pronged threat it gives you two armor fourteen threats that you're going to drive up the board into somebody's face um and then at that point you can take of course that 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 be pretty close to getting you to twenty five hundred points. And then to go beyond that, you could, you know, like I said, you could add a console, you could add a Primus Medicaid uh, in Terminator armor or something like that, or you can take Vulcan, and that would put you up to 3,000 points. So that's kind of that's kind of the base of, of most of my lists. I really like a, a hard-hitting Terminator unit with a, with a really hard-hitting HQ driving up the board in a Armor 14 Fortress. And kind of having some supporting units around it, and like I said, that's that's how I prefer to play. Now, what a lot of like Ryan Kimmel, his style of play is deep striking everything. So he doesn't take Covenant of Fire, and he takes uh, Fire Drakes in you know Charybdis and Anvilus and drops down in your face with a whole bunch of uh, flaming and melted dreadnoughts, you know Leviathans, uh, uh, you know more you know, fire Drake terminators in your face, turn one. So that's a really good way to play. I've, there's, I think his name is uh, Giancarlo <clears throat> had built a all dreadnought list. You know, yeah, the no, thing I, pl- I played at a, the LVO fucking, and it's so beautiful. Like the, his, his, uh, Cassian Dracos, like that army is the thing that I fall asleep to and like, just think about and start to feel weird feelings in my lap. Um, so there's multiple ways you can play this army, and the way that I play it is the way I prefer to play it. But that doesn't mean it's the best way, or that doesn't mean it's the only way. This is a very versatile army. I mean, if you like Melta and you like drop pods, put a bunch of Melta and Flamers and drop pods, drop them down right in the middle of somebody's face with a whole squad of, of uh, fire drakes. Like, that's a good list. That's a hard shit list. Um, the, the possibilities are endless. Like, they give you a lot of variety for what they are, and... That's I think what I like most about them. Yeah. More more than one way to play. Yeah, people people get uh, kind of hang up on on the rights of war like all the time. Like oh, I want to play. It has to be a legion specific right of war. But you can still make it feel like sal- salamandery by Absolutely. using other rights of war. So yeah, you telling me it's not salamandery if you have a you know leviathan with a cyclonic meltalance, and then you've got fire drakes, and then you've got pyroclasts, or you've got veteran tactical marines with combi meltas or or a support squad with all flamers and just dump them out of charybdis anvilus and drop pods like that's super you know salamander i mean it's yeah. there's flaming and melting and all the good stuff hammers 
Yeah, I think most people keep forgetting that all the legions could do all the things. So, That's right. You know, it, it's just some of the rights of war, like obviously, are tailored for for the legion in a specific way. But all the legions, like they could, you could have salamanders riding on on jet bikes and shit. You know, with fucking yeah. multi melters on them, that would be awesome, cool, like fucking sky slayers. So. Yeah, and, and I've, I mean, if, if you look at the fluff itself, you know, this is going into 40K a little bit, but if you read the Tome of Fire series by Nick Keim, um, in one of the books, I can't remember which one, there's a uh, a scout master who's training a bunch of scouts. They're riding around Nocturne in a, in a land speeder, like on Nocturne, which has high gravity, like the one place you're not supposed to be able to ride around on a, you know, the reason that they don't use these gra- anti-gravity <laughs> machines He's riding around all over the place on one. So you can have land speeders. You can have whatever you want. Like, it's fine. And most of the fighting, they don't do in fucking Nocturne anyway. Right, <laughs> you know? exactly. Like, they're out in the fucking Great Crusade. They, they, they have a job to do. Obviously, they go to planets where fucking they need land speeders. And That's don't right. they have their tra- training facilities on the moon? Where the yeah, it's on cha- Prometheus. Is where the chapter monastery is. Yeah. Or the Legion monastery. Yeah, so... Them not having it for the reason that they can't use them on Nocturne is kind of weird anyway, given that they don't train there either. Yep. <laughs> all, right. all right, well, I guess uh, we are all enlightened in everything that has to do with the, the slammy matters. So well, I hope, it, I hope I did them justice. Yeah, well, I know there's heaps of salamander cur- curious people out here, especially in Sweden, after they've seen uh, Nicholas, awesome salamander. He's basically the only salamander player I know about. But I know there's heaps heaps of Sally players in the woodworks, and I know heaps of people are thinking about Sally's, especially for the hobby camp coming up, you know, when everyone wants to decide what legion they're going to focus on. And there's a bunch of sa- Sally curious people out there, so... Hopefully yeah. this episode is going to tip the line over so we get to see more Sally's, uh, yeah. at least in the Swedish event scene. If you like and, good guys and burninating, this yeah, is the yeah. for you. <laughs> if you like barbecues and hanging out with decent fellas, That's this it. is where you go. <laughs> this is where you go. Fuck yeah. Maybe, where the party is at. Speaking of that, maybe that's their part in the trifoil. One yeah. is the executioner, one is the secret police, and one is the paragon of humanity. You know, and I think I think you're right, Chris, and that's kind of always been where I've leaned to as to what what they are as far as where they belong in that trifle. But I think you're right. Well, they bring the balance that... to the forest then between the other two crazy people. Yeah, well, if uh, Vulcan is the most human of them, wouldn't it make sense to have him be the paragon that when when the crusade is over and the Marines have to do something else than fighting? From the, uh, as the original plan was, I mean, some are leaders, some are generals, and some are just have to be part of humanity to teach them and protect them. Yeah, I can. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Hmm, I like it. See, we'll see what everyone else thinks about our theories. So, you know, we'll see if they send in some crazy mails and say we're fucking full on crack and shit. So, who knows? To be fair, you will probably be getting those, as usual. Oh, well, yeah, that's <laughs> probably. Those and dick pics. It's what I do. It's what I live on. It's like my staple diet. Uh, well, anyway, it was awesome to have you on the show, Jake. Super Thanks good. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for your serenading, sweet, sweet southern voice. Yeah, I, I and we're trying. feel like I'm just sitting here and just listening. And, yeah, uh, I don't basically. know. <laughs> yeah, well, we're just getting over it's... a little bit of a sinus infection right now, so I'm a little stopped up, but... Yeah, I'm sitting, all sitting here, and since I'm still not over the bronchitis thing I got before Yeah, you Christmas. sounded like a totally different human on your last podcast, Chris. Yeah. I didn't even recognize you for me. It sounded almost like, I was like, wait, is the podcast on like half speed? Like what's going on? There were some issues with recording as well, but I couldn't, couldn't really speak properly, I felt. Well, we're glad you're on the upswing. Yeah. <laughs> it's always lovely when you get get something that you that the doctor basically tells, well, you might be fine in a week or in six weeks. <laughs> you yeah, still have no to wait telling. and see. <laughs> Uh, well, it's better than what I usually get. Like, oh, you, your dick might fall off. Yeah, but then you got the little umbrella put up and then scrape it inside. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Way to end the show. So. Uh, well, you know, yeah, <laughs> syphilis makes you syphilis makes you stronger, right? That's just how it is. That's it. Yeah, fuck if yeah. it don't kill you. It only makes you more Sally player. <laughs> Perpetual. <laughs> Maybe That's it. Might, yeah. If one part of my body could be a perpetual, I wish it was my dick. So let's uh, <laughs> round this off with uh, Jake. Tell the listeners where they can find you again. So, yeah, so you can find us on iTunes or however you find podcasts. We're the Covenant of Fire. Uh, we're actually recording episode nine tomorrow evening. Uh, so it should be out sometime early next week, this coming week. Um, you can find us on Facebook, uh, you know, facebook.com slash COF podcast. Uh, we also have a Twitter, and which is COF, at COF Jake, and we have a Instagram, which I just found Instagram, and it's really awesome. Uh, so it's at... Yeah, oh, uh, you traitor dog. Dude, it, Instagram is so good. Freddie like, is the only one who doesn't know how to use Instagram. So. Dude, Freddie, you would love Instagram, because you just follow certain people. And all it is is just awesome pictures of heresy and models all day long. There's no political BS. There's no, oh, look at what my kid just did. There's no, oh, here's my new dog. It's just straight up, you know, heresy train with no brakes. All right. Well, I need to be able to work as well. Yeah. So, and I think it's, I think we're at Covenant of Fire on, uh, on there, or it's at COF Podcast. I can't remember. Maybe it's, at COF Podcast. Uh, at COF Podcast. Yeah. So, like I said, you can you can follow us out on all those uh, and check us out on your preferred podcast listening device. And uh, and yeah, we're it's me, me and me and pretty rocking it out. Fucking pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I've slept in his bed and this is how he treats me like he fucking goes over to another podcast. Like, that's where, it. Love? Maybe Jesus you should Christ. just uh, get the hint for I'm a younger, faster Freddy. That's what this is. An American Freddy. One that lives uh, at least uh, remotely close. He, a bit closer. Technically, if he wanted to, he could walk to my house. He doesn't have to swim. Uh, it, it would take him a few days. <laughs> a few days? Fucking, take, I remember yeah, driving to Adepticon. It took like fucking two days. Yeah, I think it's like a 14-hour drive from my house yeah. to his house. Yeah. It's crazy. Crazy. All right. Well, well, I don't know what else to say now. You, you fucking you baffled me. Maybe I should start a Salamander's army. I don't know. Should. It's I, I, like what? It's, it's one of the few legions I don't have. <laughs>
they are awesome and they're awesome to paint that's one thing you know we didn't really talk a whole lot about but they're a really fun army to paint and there's a lot of different options and ways to paint them so if you like painting flame jobs and gold and green and black and they also have an alternative old scheme don't they before they became the salamanders uh, I can't remember if they have a scheme or not. I don't remember maybe seeing they, it. Or maybe they were still. They, they might still be green though. But I don't know. Was it the pre? It's really dumb to me that they really focus in on some of them, and so you know what they were called. You know what their armor was. You know all that stuff, and then some of them they don't even give you nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like we know about the Tempest galleries, but we don't know what color armor they were. Really. Well. My current Legion don't have any special units, so... <laughs> That's true. But you got Blades of Perdition, so... Yes. But, with, yeah. but, uh, but <laughs> no, one st no one still really don't know how to use them, <laughs> or rules-wise. So. The old fun noodle of death. Yeah. Oh, well. What do you say? Call it a night? Yeah, I'm just trying to find if there's any painting schemes of the fucking pre... Salamence, usually they have like... Rams, they? I can't find any. Annoying. Or I can see like heaps of um, heresy salamanders. I can't see. If they were grey or some shit, like with some weird... Because you know were, how you have like the fucking... A different shade of green with a, a yellow shoulder pad with a ram's head on them. Okay. At, least in, the, at least in the Forge World book scheme. Ah, okay, cool. Well, now you know. So there you go. You can do the pre-Vulcan pre salamanders when they're all fucking crazy, uh, untamed, suicidal yep. and shit. Licking radiation things down in the oh, yeah. bottom of Earth. <laughs> Underneath, deep below the Caucasus Mountains. Fuck, that's where I want to go. It's on my bucket list. <laughs> mm. Anyway... All right, uh, <laughs> let's not drag out this agony any longer. And once again, thank you, Jake. And I don't know, are we doing a wrap-up or what? Or not? No, we're just going to go straight into an outro from Lex, as usual. All right, cool. Well, then I guess it's a good night from me. And me. We'll catch you all on the flip side. All right. And then treat heresy like Vulcan. Don't sleep with your brother when he's a raving lunatic. There you go. There you go. Yep. <laughs> and if you got a burning sensation somewhere south in your body, go check it out. This is the Randian Heresy, signing off. And remember, kids, tune in next week. Same Lex time, same Lex channel.